Okay, ladies, gentlemen, boys, girls, goofballs, scumbags. Y'all don't time it as we are back at it again. Of course, this is the Football Misfits, episode 79. Ooh. I am your host, LV, aka Paper Fronto, aka My Rainey's Black Bottom, aka Buck Nasty, aka The Married Misfit, or soon to be. Ah, neither here nor there. And of course, I'm joined by none other than the one, the only, the man who gets it done. <laughs> More clutch than, should I even say Messi? Apparently, he's only got one goal this season. <laughs> uh, of course, I'm talking about the man who makes it happen. I know him as Ronnie, and sometimes so do y'all. Ronnie, say what's good for the one time. What's going on, everybody? The leaves are maple, y'all. Stay hey. strong. Be brave. Ooh-wee. USMNT fans hate to see it. We will get to that, of course. But before that, y'all know it wouldn't be the football misfits unless we were with the man with the Googles, the stats, the numbers, the sources, the reporting. Just kidding. <laughs> Talking about Spencer Povich, the Spencyclopedia Britannica. You are not the father. Y'all may know him as Spencer at the data desk, and so do I. Spencer, say what's good for the one time. What's going on, everybody? Peace and love. Peace and love. You're trying to brush by it, but we I got to acknowledge it, fam. Um, many congratulations to the Be Married Misfit. Many, uh, many congratulations, fam. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you sir. Yes, it's, it's happened. Right, I, not, I have been subbed out of the game permanently. <laughs> Signed uh, a permanent transfer for team marriage, and I, I am happy to see the air horns for the good brother LV. Air horns. Ah, that feels nice. Thank you, guys. I appreciate that. That being said, away from my personal life and back to the bullshit. <laughs> uh, and speaking of bullshit, uh, not in the bad way, not necessarily in a good way either. There's no club football on this week. Obviously, international qualifiers were back. The, as Ronnie calls it, the rare January qualifier window was alive and well this week as was AFCON. Where should we start? We shall begin where we have been beginning for the better part of this month, the Africa Cup of Nations, which is almost at its conclusion. Semi-finalists, we know who they are, but how did they get there? We quickly breezed through the round of 16 last Sunday, and let's quickly do that again with the rest of the round of 16 results. Gambia, who's extended their run in the AFCON, in their inaugural AFCON, one nothing winners over Guinea. Musa Baro getting the job done for Gambia, not just in that game, but throughout the entire tournament. That same Monday saw the hosts, Cameroon, defeat a depleted Comoros side to the point where Comoros fielded a left back in goal because they just didn't have any goalkeepers. Vincent Abubukar and Carl Toko Akambi took advantage, and 2 1 was the final in the Olympics. <laughs> Those two won't stop scoring, <laughs> specifically Vincent Abubakar. He's taking Those two are the, the only goal scorers for Cameroon in this AFCON. The only there two. There you go. It makes sense. I mean, Vincent Abubakar with now what I'm assuming it's got to be uh, after that round of 16 game, it's five or six. I mean, goodness gracious. Yes. He's got um, so the battle between for Golden Boot would be between them two. <laughs> Uh, and I'm sure the host nation loves to see it. They've been on fire. 
And a big shout to Camarus. They weren't going to get past Cameroon, I don't think, even at full strength. But the fact that they still managed to field the side, play with 10 men for the better part of 85 minutes or so, um, it was inspiring. And they might go home, but in Camarus, they will go home as heroes for making it this far in AFCON. Yeah, and especially playing a team in Cameroon in the you know the first knockout match, and, and you know getting a goal off of uh, you know on them, and you know for a team that um, I guess probably didn't have many expectations, uh, they made it out their group, which is an achievement in itself, of course. And then, like you said, Ronnie, just being able to go toe to toe with Cameroon, who could very well win this tournament with the way they're playing. Um, you know, you have to respect the way they came in, and then. Out they go, of course, as as uh, as Cameroon would take that win, of course. But by yeah, the way, I mean, that goal for Comoros might be one of the goals of the tournament. Yo, and it, what's crazy is quiet has kept. There's been a couple of goals that we've seen uh, in this tournament alone, whether it be in the group stage and and, and that goal of Comoros. I mean, kind of sums it up. Goals galore and good goals galore. But yeah, I agree. That goal was ridiculous. We'll talk about the other goal in this round quickly, but between that game and the game that followed it the next day, we learned that there was a deadly stampede outside the Cameroon Camaros match, killing eight people. RIP to the spectators who went to see footy and never made it home, which no one ever would want to see that. What I don't like is Again, with everyone belittling AFCON, we saw people try to breach into the stadiums at the Euro final. The only difference is no one died. Yeah, no, we didn't forget about that. Uh, the scene I that, certainly didn't forget about that shit. Yeah, the scenes at Wembley was disgusting. Folks climbing, you know, um, stampeding basically and, you know, um, jumping on cars and vandalizing. So, I mean, it happens everywhere. But like you said, nobody ever wants to see stuff like that. And the fact that people lost their lives. Uh, makes it even worse. So, rest in peace, misfits, moment of silence, and all that. And even the um, the left back oh. playing goalkeeper, and he had a number three taped to his back because um, they just didn't have like a little print press to put a number three on. Like they don't have the funds for it. But like, you, and we act like oh, position players have never played in goal ever before. Like, come on, Sam. Yeah, and, and I mean, and we don't even have to get deep this deep into it, but, you no, know. We don't, but I just wanted to point that out. No, absolutely, but, you know, just to get just to get a little bit deeper into it, even though I said we what well, we don't have to, but, you know, there's reasons why some of this stuff happens, and they go much further back than the game and much further back in history. And we don't, you know, that's another conversation for another time. <laughs> um, Facts. But that aside, we can advance to Tuesday. Um, the first game of the day featured Senegal and Cape Verde, a uh, match that finished in favor of Senegal. 2 nothing. but the talking point of the game was vicious head clash between the goalkeeper for Cabo Verde, Vozinha, and Senegal, Sadio Mane. Yeah, if you watch the video, it's a gnarly hit. It's like... It's 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 rough. I'm glad they're both okay, but that video was very hard to watch. Agreed. I agree. I mean, it was, it was 
terrible. And the fact that he he came back in the match shortly thereafter, and then not only did that but scored a goal, um, was ridiculous. Probably shouldn't have happened. Not you know for the you know for the fairness aspect, but just for his health. Uh, it didn't look like he should have came back at all in that match, and but he did scored another goal for his country, and Senegal would knock out the island of Cape Verde. Two 0 would be the result. He ended up Sorry. being subbed off in the game, but after the goal, he was like, "Yeah, I can't do this no more." Right. <laughs> the fact that that even happened, I mean, he, he, I feel like it, you know it shouldn't have gone to that point where he had to take himself out and be like, "You know what? I can't go on any longer." But neither here nor there. I mean, I'm sure I'm not sure how he would have felt about it. He did score a goal for his country, and maybe he felt good about that. But and he uh, was fit enough to play today in the quarterfinal. Right, and that was going to be the yeah the next point is that. Ultimately, it seems that he's okay, ultimately, and that's what matters, right? But with head injuries in particular, you can't risk it. Yeah, and you just never know. So you just got to hope for the best for Sadio Mane and hope it doesn't, you know, something doesn't come of it. Uh, but I did like said, the goalkeeper and Mane, you know, meeting up in um, Mane's little hospital room, you know, sharing a moment like, yo, no hard, no hard feelings, my bad, got a picture and everything. That I like to see that because all right, yeah, but I it, it was a red card, yes, but it was by no means malicious. Exactly, and you know some things are just bigger than the game, and I'm sure both of the players recognize that. So you do love to see it. And I, I, another point on off the field things for Sadio Mane, he's been electric, just entertaining on his social media, just talking shit to his te- his uh, club teammates. He's still doing that, which you love to see. So I hope he keeps that up and. The form that they're in, uh, you know, I, I I wouldn't see why he wouldn't. So, Petuno, they beat Cape Verde. Um, that wouldn't be all, the only action on uh, on Tuesday. Of course, Morocco would uh, take out Malawi in a closely contested match, where Malawi would actually go in front first uh, with a goal of courtesy of Gabadino Mongo in the seventh minute. That would be followed by a late, late first half goal by Yusuf and Nesri. Uh, and then the PSG right back, Ashraf Hakimi, would lock things off, scoring the winner for Morocco. Scoring an absolute banger, Ashraf Hakimi. And uh, Again, like I said, goals of the tournament. Yeah, and it's definitely in plural, uh, as <laughs> there goes just two that we've named off um, in the knockouts uh, thus far. So... But yeah, Morocco would take the dub and move on uh, to the quarterfinal. Uh, yep. That was the matches for Tuesday. Uh, uh, on Wednesday, it got kind of heated. Got yeah, um, heated. speaking of Wednesday, we talked about goals on Tuesday. <laughs> Nothing on Wednesday. <laughs> straight straight to penalties. <laughs> straight to and penalties even, on both games. And even in penalties, it seemed like, I mean, nobody was missing nothing. It just seemed like it was like, you score. No, you score. No, you score. Not quite like the um, Europa League final or anything like that, but from some time ago. But Can we talk about how compelling the Ivory Coast-Egypt game was? Ooh-wee. Can we, I mean, when you say compelling, can we talk about goalkeeping heroics? I mean, <laughs> Specifically the Egyptian goalkeeping heroics fan. <laughs> and what's his name? Uh, Mohamed uh, El Shanawi? He made pivotal saves after saves after saves. And then he ended up getting hurt. And then his um, second-in-command, Mohamed Abu Gabal, also making important saves. 
to um keep Egypt in it. He made a save in the penalty shootout, <laughs> saving none other than Eric Bailly's penalty, who that was the shittiest penalty I've seen taken in a while. Yeah, I mean, Eric Bailly, um, we talked about the Europa League final. I think he did score one in that Europa League final, but I feel like if I, if I saw his name as the missed penalty, I wouldn't be surprised. Wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, at all. everybody missed the penalty, and then everyone made their penalties after him. Mohamed Salah scored the game winner. Egypt advancing to the quarters by a penalty final of five four over the Ivory Coast. There goes Sebastian Ayer being top goal scorer. Yeah, it wasn't going to happen. It, well, can't happen at this point, but I guess it was never going to happen because Vincent Abubakar said, let me get all these goals. Uh, you can just stay over there. But, yeah, Ivory Coast are out. I I had them as a, a bit of a dark horse. Um, could they have beaten Egypt potentially? Uh, but they, they did not take the chances that were given to them. Ultimately, whether it be from goalkeeping heroics or them just falling short, um, but Egypt moves on. The Klopp meter, I guess, continues with Sadio Mane and Mo Salah continuing on on the opposite sides of this bracket on this uh, in this tournament. So now, Mali versus Equatorial Guinea was the opposite of compelling. <laughs> it was the anti-compelling. This game was low-key trash. <laughs> Only two shots on target in a hundred twenty minutes. Yeah, no, that's that's what you call paint drying. It's a match. That's a chess match right there, I guess. I'll, I'll take paint drying. <laughs> um, <laughs> that two went to penalties, and there were more misses in that one than there were in this one. Um, <laughs> Equatorial Guinea ended up coming out on top six five. Mali, a team who everyone thought might could pull off a surprise. End up getting surprised by Equatorial Guinea. Facts, though. I mean, both sides have been uh, in form, as we mentioned last week, coming out of the group stage. I'll be honest, I had Mali going, and I'm sure uh, Tunisia would have wanted uh, Mali to advance as well so they could beat them up on pitch, maybe. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, Equatorial Guinea, as you said, would you know continue the, the form. Uh, in probably the worst match I've seen in a mad law. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but in penalties, uh, we would have Equatorial Guinea move forward, and they continue their run. Very interesting. So if you're keeping track, we are now at the quarterfinal, where eight teams remain, and the quarterfinals began yesterday, Saturday, with the hosts Cameroon taking on the debutants Gabon. And... Like I mentioned when we spoke about their quarter round the 16 game, um, Carl Togo Akambi with a brace in 10 minutes to get the job done for Cameroon. Man of the match, hands down. And if we are doing the quick maths, Carl Togo Akambi is currently at five goals scored. So he must be tied on a five. goal with uh, Vincent Abubakar. Or unless no, Abubakar has six. Goodness gracious. So, I mean, 11 goals from two guys in the same nation, that's a recipe for success in any tournament. Um, and they're on fire, those two guys right there. It was Abubakar to start, and it can be to, you know, in the second half, it seems, of this tournament. So, I mean, if one doesn't score, the other does. 
We'd love to see it, but uh, I feel like they need more than just them to. Regardless of that, they're they're getting the job done. And that's the thing. I think because of the fact that if one of them doesn't score, the other does, and not just with one goal. They're both they're scoring braces here, uh, as we saw, you know, against in this match against Gambia, who the uh, the the Scorpions, who I almost pegged to go even deeper in this tournament based on their performances in their de- debut. Uh, but they would fall short to the host nation, who now is looking like I mean they they can they score whenever they want almost it seems. They're primed to make it to the final. Yeah, and, and what a story would be in your home country. You know, those are the type of things you love to see. And if you just look at their stats real quick in this match against Gambia, I mean, when you have 18 shots, seven on target, those two guys are going to put away some of those for sure. And that's exactly what we saw with the combi getting a brace in seven minutes. I mean, that's quick fire right there. I only mentioned that they might need more than just them two because I'm not hoping this at all. What if one of them two pick up a knock? Oof, that would. And you got to rely on just one of them. And like sometimes they might not get fed the ball or whatever. You might need to rely on more than just them two. And I'm not saying, like I said, I don't want that to happen. I don't wish that upon anybody. But you gotta get more guys. Where's Chupa Moting? <laughs> Chupa Moting said, "Oh, y- y'all look like y'all scoring. Uh, I'll take a backseat." <laughs> and he's got, he, he didn't even play in against Gambia. Like yeah. it looks like he's been taking a backseat. If anything, the biggest name on that team coming into this tournament. Has been a non-factor in Chupa Moting. Yeah, that's a fact. With his big ass, uh, just uh, unavailable, and you know. Um, but I'll tell you what: if in their semi, I mean, they've all, they've only got two more matches to play. If they can hold out for then, and we also know just based on the way this tournament has, has been going, even through the group stage, we haven't been seeing too many goals total in matches. So it seems that if these guys can at least get one goal, whether it be you know, if you have two guys that can, you almost guarantee you a goal. Uh, it seems like they're in good position. And if they get a brace, they're in great position. So, I mean, all they need is – I'm not saying all they need is one of these guys, but it's it seems to me that, you know, at any given moment, it's one or the other rather than none of them, which is which has got to be very, uh, you know, encouraging for Cameroon uh, and, and, and encouraging for the, you know, the fans at home. Absolutely it is. I think so. But um, we'll see how they'll do in the semifinal. They will play. Well, we'll tell you who they'll play in a bit. Yeah. We'll um, in the second quarterfinal of Saturday, so Burkina Faso pulling off a 2013 style run in this tournament, beating Tunisia one nothing. Tunisia doesn't, didn't even look like the best team in the tournament. So if they're gonna make it to the quarterfinal, is like the 49ers making it to the NFC Championship. <laughs> but Burkina Faso through to the semis. And, and, and I think one team that's looking at this result and shaking their heads is Nigeria, who fell to Tunisia in a way that was piss-po. Um, and I'm sure they would have loved to be able to fight in this quarterfinal where, as we've seen, I mean, only one goal scored. In both of Tunisia's last two matches, there's been only a total of two goals, one which they scored and one which they didn't. So, um, yeah, they deserve to be out of the tournament at this point. Big ups to Burkina Faso, who, however, who have been making a deep run. And if I recall, when we first began coverage of Afghan Ronnie, you were talking about Burkina Faso's deep run uh, a couple, a few years back, getting as far as the final. Yeah, they lost the final in 2013 to Nigeria, made it all the way to Johannesburg. Oh, there you and, go. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, are they trying to do something like that again? 
it seems like it. I mean, they're sitting now in the semifinal. They have a huge test. Who they play, obviously, we will get to. Um, but, yeah, they have all the opportunity to do so now. They're in the semifinal. It's, I mean, it could be theirs for the taking. However, we know at this point now the teams that are in the semifinal are all pretty intense. And with that being said, shall we? those were yesterday's games. Shall we get to today's matches? Yeah, let's get to who Burkina Faso will play in the semifinal. That is Senegal. Whew, we just spoke about goals being scored um, in the tournament and the, I guess, the low amount of goals uh, in these matches. One team who's been being able to score goals, not named Cameroon, uh, is Senegal, after getting out of the group stage, of course, um, in the round of 16 <laughs> match. Because in the round of 16, they score one goal in three matches. Um, it seemed like they were saving all their goals for after. Obviously, in the round of 16 versus Cape Verde, scoring two goals, and then playing Equatorial Guinea, um, today, rec- day of recording, Sunday in the quarterfinal. And they would put three of them things on the board. Three of them things with goals beginning from Famara Deidu, 28th minute, uh, followed by a, a goal back for Equatorial Guinea, Janik Buila. However, uh, Cheku Kuyate would come off the bench to score in the 68th minute, and Ismail Asar in the 79th would take care of business. Senegal up three. Equatorial Guinea won. That would see Senegal kind of actualizing what Sadio Mane has been saying. We're going there. Whoever wants to see us in the final, you know what time it is. Obviously, they have to get through Burkina Faso at first, which would be an absolute tough test. But Senegal uh, running rampant and scoring more goals than pretty much everybody in the tournament at this point, except Cameroon, uh, and actually scoring more goals, scoring more goals than Cameroon, at least in the knockout phase. Cameroon will now play Egypt in the semifinal after they, can you call it miraculously, 2-1 winners over Morocco? I mean, they were down to start um, because Sofian um, Bouffal netted a penalty and then Mo Salah scored to equalize. And then in added time, Aston Villa's, Aston Villa, Aston Villa's Trezeguet scored the winner. Yeah, and it, it, it was a sight to see. But um, I think once Morocco went up, it just kind of felt like the, you know, that Egypt were always going to score. Um, but for the match, I feel like it seemed like it was, for the most part, pretty evenly matched. So for Egypt to run away with that, you know, goal in extra time, um, Morocco would really hate to see it. Um, but yeah, Trezeguet found the back of the net in the 100th minute. And that was enough to, you know, get Egypt through. I'm not saying that Egypt have been playing the best, but they're, you know, scoring when it matters aside. <laughs> Aside, of right. course, aside from the uh, uh, the match against Ivory Coast, where there were, were no such thing as that, but they're scoring when it matters, and they did the exact exactly that against Morocco um, today, day of recording, and now they face possibly the biggest test of the entire tournament in that team we just mentioned, who's been scoring goals at plenty, and you can be damn sure Mohamed El Shanawi probably won't be saving as many of those shots as he did against Ivory Coast against Cameroon. So he better Either come that, or he better have the game of his life. <laughs> exactly. So, um, it, it it's a really big test for Egypt. I think Cameroon. I already even play today. Well, there we go. It, it was Gabal. So I mean, the injury might be might be worse than we think. Yeah. Regardless regardless of the fact, it's one of them because they both came up with miraculous saves, and they're really gonna have to pull that out of their hat against Cameroon. Hey man, it's not gonna be easy. I feel like I feel like Egypt, like finessed their way into this part of the tournament 
Yeah. Because uh, every in like in the two knockout games that they played so far, Ivory Coast and Morocco, we thought that at least I did that their opposition were better than them. I agree, and I would say definitely for the Ivory Coast match, uh, and Morocco definitely looks more informed or looked more informed than Egypt. Uh, Egypt did so. This could be the the moment where their magic ends when they play a team that we have been seeing. And probably the only team in the entire tournament that has been truly informed all the way through. And that gives us with the final four on February 2nd, which is Wednesday, right? Yeah, uh, February, yeah, Wednesday, February 2nd, Burkina Faso versus Senegal, followed by Thursday, February 3rd. We'll see Cameroon, Egypt. That's the match that I'm circling. Um, obviously, our pick to win the tournament is still in the tournament uh, in Senegal. Obviously, you mentioned before that top score. That is done and dusted, and probably was done and dusted by the first day of the tournament when Abubakar scored a brace. But Cameroon Egypt, um, I think that's 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 a huge matchup. I'm very excited for that one, and I wonder who we'll see on the other side of the bracket because I I absolutely have Senegal going uh, into the final. Now on the other side, could be a Cameroon Senegal final. Cameroon Senegal in the final. Yeah, but I'm gonna be honest. I think I'm jumping ship. I got Cameroon if if they get to the final. <laughs> I'm gonna hold on to what I said to start off. I, well, yes, Cameroon looks like a good team that can win it, and they've been doing it so far, watching the competition. Basically, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stick to my guns in this one. I respect that. I'm gonna pull a Stephen A. Smith and just jump on the bandwagon. So that's where I'm at with it. Uh, I, I I like what Cameroon's got going on. And I really believe in that they can make it to the final. Hopefully, Egypt doesn't upset them now that I picked them to win. But knowing how my picks go, that's exactly what's going to happen. Um, and I take it Spencer would go for El Clapico since um, Senegal, Egypt in the final? Yeah, the Liverpool final. I'll take it. And, and who would win said Liverpool final? Whoever scores more goals. <laughs> That's a yellow car. <laughs> Look at all diplomatic. <laughs> I can't pick. I can't pick whoever whoever scores more goals. It'd be nice for Senegal to get their first win or Egypt to get another one, but whoever wins, whoever scores more goals, just the cookie crumbles that day. My man says, "Air, you breathe." <laughs> <laughs> All right, but um, that... but um, I think because Senegal had never won an AFCON before, and the last time they were here, they were so damn close, is why I'm kind of you know leaning a lot more towards Senegal, even though Cameroon has been lights out. Yeah, no, I, I respect that. I mean, especially for that fact, that story there, um, and the fact that they got so close last time, only to lose out uh, to Algeria. But they have a chance here, absolutely. I think they're playing the most economical football. They get the results that they need and nothing more, nothing less. Cameroon is sort of guns a-blazing. I think Cameroon looks like looks to be maybe the most complete team at this point. Um, but very exciting stuff. Obviously, we can't count out the other two teams that are in the semifinals. So anything can happen, and we shall see, obviously, the semifinals. I do see Egypt making it difficult for Cameroon, though. Because Egypt has been making it difficult for their opposition in the knockout stage. Absolutely, I agree, and I'm not sure if that's a combination of them being well coached and having the you know the the firepower and attack to kind of put the ball away 
when they need it. Uh, and that's exactly what they've been doing. But I agree. And I think that's why that's the match that I'm circling. Um, because I think it'll be a really good match. And that, and then, I guess that's all I'll say about that. And uh, as always, we mentioned when the uh, semifinals are, and then the final will be that Sunday. So February 6th. Exciting stuff there. Um, that being said, Ronnie, of course, no club football for, to, for me to jump into, so I is sad. That being said, though, we did have some international qualifiers. Anything that jumped out to you? Yes, international qualifiers for the World Cup. At the time of recording, Iran added their name to the World Cup in 2022. They defeated Iraq to qualify, topping their Asian qualifying group. And at the moment, that's pretty much it. Saudi Arabia looks like they're in line to be the next ones to qualify out of Asia. Um, let's talk about South America real quick. The game between Ecuador and Brazil was a fucking war. There we go. How many red cards? <laughs> there were only two. Um, one to Alexander Dominguez, the Ecuadorian goalkeeper, who went studs up into Mateus Cunha. And then five minutes later, Emerson Royal also got a red. Honestly speaking, I didn't know I didn't see what he did to get a red, but he got one. And speaking of two reds, that's how many Allison avoided. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Apparently, he wasn't sent off. Uh, my man, I'm looking at two red cards, and now I'm good. Like, what? The ultimate get-out-of-jail-free card for that man was VAR. I could see why they were rescinded. I could see why they would be reds. Uh, it sounds like I'm on the fence about it, but that's how it appears. Yeah, I think the um, there was one where he where he was clearing a, a ball, and I believe he punched it, and it just looked like it looked. I forget who he punched. Um, yeah, very very close, very on the line. But how you how you miss two red cards uh, and get saved by the VAR? Looks like VAR was on your side. Not God, a VAR. VAR was on your side. He had a... <laughs> in the 25th minute, that would have been his first red. That was when he had a high boot on... This is quite the name drop. Ener Valencia. Goodness gracious. Every time you say that. <laughs> Yeesh. And then later on, like you mentioned, he um punched um one of the Ecuadorians when he tried to clear it. Yep, it looked like he was trying to clear the ball. He tried to punch the ball. And I, he... And I think he got the ball, but he also got the man's face. Oh, yeah. He, he had a lot of follow-through. Very interesting, but the match would finish 1-1. But Brazil are already in the World Cup, so they're just fulfilling the fixtures. Ecuador is, looks like they're next in line to qualify out of South America, though. Yeah, Brazil is over here just looking for trouble. No messy, no problem for Argentina. They defeated Chile 2-1. Another shouts to Ben Bereton Diaz the young Chilean Englishman, but they were they were outdone by Angel Di Maria and Lautaro. Argentina then, also in the World Cup already. There we go. And uh, the other qualifier match um, this past week uh, in South America, Uruguay will finally get a win and add some hope to their World Cup qualification chances. Yeah, but they had a soccer manager to do it. Um, the current manager for Uruguay is Diego Alonso. He took place of Oscar Tavares, who was coaching at Uruguay since 2006 yep. before he got sacked with this shit run for Uruguay. They did in. win. They're currently in fifth, which is a playoff spot currently. 
oh so close however as Colombia sit just behind them on 17 and Peru sit just ahead of them on 20. Chile is still somehow in the conversation uh with six Colombia fucked up their chance against Chile they lost to them at home on nothing they absolutely did and, and and that's how Uruguay were able to sneak sneak by um but it looks like the playoff spots are absolutely heating up we're looking at one two three four maybe five teams for one automatic spot and one playoff spot yeah because one and two already in they yep. confirmed last year ecuador i th i think if they win this window they're they're in and yeah compelling stuff in south america always yeah you mentioned that colombia lost to peru right yeah okay I do have one question. I know you might not have the answer to that. And I don't know if Diodas has the answer either. I doubt it. What's going to end up happening to Brazil versus Argentina? <laughs> I'm just trying to figure out when they're going to replay that match. Yeah. Even right. though that match would render meaningless because both uh, Argentina and Brazil are, are in the World Cup. But I just got to see the aftermath of when the Brazilian health officials went onto the pitch. Like, yo, fam, get these out of here. Not the Anvisa. He said, get these damn Spurs players the hell up out of here. Um, yeah, it absolutely means nothing. But nonetheless, I'm right there with you. I'd like, I'd like to see it. I'd like to see Anvisa chasing players around too. Just kidding. <laughs> um, so we'll move on to the, uh, the North American qualifiers or the CONCACAF as we call it. Sure, let's do it. All right, you know what? We'll just we'll just rip the band-aid off, Ronnie. We'll get right to it, and then we'll skip right past it. How about that? Sure, let's do it. Okay. Um, obviously, through Concacaf uh, qualifiers, we had. Uh, we'll start on Thursday, where we saw Canada beat Honduras. All right, that's it. USA would play El Salvador and win a closely <laughs> contested match. Uh, they would score 1-0 as Anthony Robinson would score, I believe, uh, early in the second half to beat El Salvador. I, I think uh, USMNT's win streak against El Salvador is getting up there, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but Greg Berhalter's men in Columbus, Ohio, would get the easy 1-0 dub to clinch the three points on Thursday. Uh, I'm going to ask you something that you probably don't give a fuck about, but I'll ask it anyway. The decision to play in Columbus. Why? Why Columbus? <laughs> I mean, that's that's how I feel about it. I don't get it. But, um, yeah, my, my question is, my thoughts are why? Anywhere else? I have a conspiracy. I, I, I My conspiracy is that the U.S. Soccer Federation saw the success that Canada had against Mexico in the last window. It was fucking brick up there. And Mexico ended up falling in defeat because they're not used to playing Canadian cold. So you're saying that the uh, Stadio Ice Teca, uh, the USMNT, tried to turn Lower.com Field into <laughs> Lower.com Field Teca? No, I'm, I can't even. That was terrible. <laughs> well, it, it's like they saw how successful that went. And they're like, oh, why don't we do it? And that's why they played in Columbus with like 20-something degree temperatures. Yep. And when they play Honduras on Wednesday, it's going to be sub-zero temperatures. Right. Oof. My thing is, for what? Yeah. Especially I mean, against these two teams in particular. Right, who probably, like as you mentioned, are not necessarily too used uh, to these. Uh, no, it's not even just that fact that, oh, they're not used to the cold or not. It's not like you're taking Mexico or Canada there or Costa Rica. 
You're taking two of the bottom feeders in CONCACAF, for lack of a better term. Honduras are definitely the CONCACAF bottom feeders in this qualifiers. What's the point of playing them in Columbus and in Minneapolis, St. Paul? Play yeah. this shit in like, play this shit in like Atlanta or Orlando or some shit. Like, oh, they're talking about the logistics of get the flight travel to um, Hamilton or whatever the fuck. Man, Canada has the advantage because it's Canada. It's cold up there naturally. You're not going to go to Canada and find a tropical climate in January. Period. You might not so find why are you trying to replicate that? Right. And uh, why anybody would play in Minneapolis um, for any sport, for any reason, at this time of year, beyond me. Yeah, that's the Honduras match on Wednesday. Yeah, best of luck. That, I mean, it I don't It makes care. no sense. It, it's, it's like they, no no idea is new. So for them, to like, I think they're, they're just being biters of Canada, if you ask me. Yeah, I think it's stupid as hell. I mean, the fact, I'll tell you this. It, I don't think I don't care how long you've lived in a cold weather climate. I don't think you ever get used to it. I'll be honest, and so it, it's just pointless in the in the middle of or the early parts of February to play in St. Paul, Minnesota. Who would do that? Maybe the USMNT would obviously. The US Soccer Federation. Like yeah. I said, Canada have no choice but to play in cold weather because it's fucking Canada in February. Yeah, <laughs> and they played in cold as Hamilton today, where they beat the U.S. two nothing. Yeah, Canada beat the U.S. 2-0. Oof. I mean, could this be – we talked about the shift between Mexico and the United States. Canada kind of making a bit of uh, an evolution to the top. And this win over the United States, I think, in my opinion, means a lot more than people are saying. And maybe people are saying it, but Canada has arrived, y'all. What did I say to start? The leaves are maple, y'all. <laughs> Um, no, Canada is becoming the soccer country now. They're a football nation now. They are, they've gone unbeaten in World Cup qualifiers. That's serious business. We'd love to see it. They managed to tie USA and Mexico both away, and they managed to beat both those countries at home, defending Canada. So it's, it's a matter of when Canada qualifies, not if, at this point. There you go. And I'm very excited to see them in the tournament. I mean, and they've been, uh, uh, you know, waking up as a as a federation, both on the men's and women's side. Um, but to see them do this and beat the powerhouse that we always talk about in Mexico and the United States, um, and then you know to go away and then salvage a point and then continue to do business and be consistent in between that uh, is an absolute, you know, in incredible uh, achievement for them, in my opinion. But they're here, a two 0 win, uh, basically. You know, scoring early and maintaining a lead, uh, playing good defense, good saves from the Canadian goalkeeper, and then, you know, killing the game in the 90 plus fifth minute, breaking U.S. hearts everywhere. Greg Berhalter in the mud. <laughs> you mentioned Canada on the rise on both the men and the women's side. Um, a common denominator of both of those successes is the man that's led the women's team and who's leading the men's team right now, John Herdman. Uh, I think it, I'm not bullshitting in saying this. He would be the first person to lead a men's team and a women's team to the World Cup. It's sick. It's insanely impressive. <laughs> it's, I can't. I don't know what to say. It's impeccable. Yeah, we'd love to see that. It's unbelievable. Big up to him. So, yeah, like I said, it's a matter of when, not if. And 
if all goes right, Canada would already be qualified for the World Cup next time we pod. And there we go. Um, just to run through the rest of uh, this, the second day of matches on Sunday day of recording. Obviously, we mentioned Canada 2, U.S. MNT nil. Uh, we have uh, Honduras versus El Salvador uh, and the score for that at the finished 2-0. And, and Jamaica would also play Panama <laughs> um, and lose 3-2 after losing to Mexico uh, earlier in the week on Thursday. And finally, the aforementioned Mexico would draw nil-nil at the Estadio Azteca to Costa Rica. I don't know, man. Mexico are, are a bit rubbish. And we spoke about this, um, whether it be last year or the last bit of qualifiers. They are on a downward trajectory. I'd low-key probably, I kind of don't even want to see them qualify, I'll be honest. And I don't say that on some hate and stuff, but I just feel like it might not be fun to watch them play. Uh, in the World Cup. And so I feel like I've said this on here before, but definitely Mexico's main objective is making it to the quarterfinal of a World Cup to the point where they refer to that match as El Quinto Partido because they can never get past the round of 16. Seeing Mexico play the way they are right now, depending on who ends up in their group at the World Cup, that is if they make it, they might not even make El Quinto Partido. Yeah, I was about to say, I mean, they might want to switch that goal uh, to, you know, be, being up in a half on one of the match days in the group stage. Cause they don't... <laughs> because when this round of qualifiers started, they beat Jamaica, but it cost them to get there. They they were down one nothing after five minutes into the second half. And it took a couple goals after the 80th minute to get the dub in a match that you could make the argument that Jamaica, even though some stats might not lean towards them, they were better enough to, you know, keep Mexico off the board for as much time as they did. Right. And then being held to a draw by Costa Rica, it's Mexico are, like you said, downward trajectory. Yeah, absolutely. And to be fair to them, to shoot to them just a tiny bit of bail. They have had some players that have been playing decent enough. Uh, Funes Mori, funny enough, I think I was joking about him being their best, their best, uh, uh, you know, goal-scoring prospect after switching allegiances. Um, he's been okay. He's been finding the back of the net, um, but not enough clearly, and it won't be enough, as you said, in the World Cup if they do qualify. The look uh, at Mexico's front through that play today. Funes Mori, Tecatito, Chucky. Yeesh. Chucky has been underperforming this season, both with Mexico and Napoli. Jesus Tecatito Corona has been but this season, and he's managed to get a huge transfer to Sevilla. And then Funes Mori, he was scoring goals in Gold Cup and whatnot. But now when they need to score goals, especially since Raul was hurt, you're not doing nothing. So I don't know, man. Mexico are underperforming as hell, man. There we go. And uh, they'll have a chance to redeem themselves. Obviously, they sit third right now in the CONCACAF standings. They will play Panama, who sit just behind them. Three points off. A uh, big match for Mexico on Wednesday, so they better they better stop that downward trajectory if they want to stay in the qualifiers. That's pretty much it for the qualifiers, because like I said, only one team qualified as of recording. But we did start to see some teams qualify for the 2023 FIFA Women's World Cup. We showed it, and uh, who was they, Ronnie? 
they was the four winners of the quarterfinals of the Asian Women's Cup. So not only does this determine the best team in Asia, but also the teams who qualify for the World Cup. Now Australia, they're already in this tournament. They're they're already in the World Cup as hosts along with New Zealand. They lost to South Korea 1-0. Um, I thought Australia would win this tournament, but there goes my pick. Ji So Yoon scored the game winner very late for the Koreans. Um, South Korea, they're in the World Cup. The People's Republic of China washed Vietnam after they went up 1-0. They're in the World Cup. Japan put seven goals on Thailand. They're in the World Cup. And in the matchup between Chinese Taipei and the Philippines, that was going to see a first-time winner, uh, a first-time World Cup participant, rather. The match ended 1-1 in regular time. And in penalties, the Philippines won 4-3. So shouts to all my Filipinos. The Philippines are in the Women's World Cup. Semifinals of the Asia Women's Cup are China, Japan, South Korea, Philippines. And the final also, like the AFCON, on February the 6th at like the crack of dawn, New York time. <laughs> Australian open time, basically. Uh, but big up to the Philippines, debutantes, hoping the best for them. You'd love to see it. Absolutely. I'm hoping for the best for them as well. Um, Japan, the 2011 winners, they're back in. South Korea, they should be good. And China, um, they're in the World Cup too. And I believe that pretty much does it for international footies. That was a good round of international footy, at least on this side of the, uh, you know, this side of the world. And there's more to come, obviously, and there's more Afcon to come. Um, One more round of qualifiers as well. Absolutely, I'm looking forward to that. So since there hasn't been much club footy, um, even though we did make picks for club footy this weekend, we've we picked five random games in Europe and Colombia. But um, other than that, if I know this podcast like I do, I believe it is that time. Hey, hey. And according to Otis, my dog, I think he agrees. You know what Otis is asking over there? Otis asked for the drop. So, hey, man, we got to do what Otis asks for. Let's hear the drop. Nobody is doing like what some journalists do when they write bullshit. Wow, you are afraid to say it, but it's all bullshit stories. What is it? Most of the times, it's uh, it's bullshit. Let's <laughs> 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 go. Beers of the week time. I'm thinking, can I go first? Because mine isn't really funny. It's more sad. And I, I'm, I'm assuming yours are funny. Therefore, you can lighten the room up a little bit afterwards. Go ahead. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, all right. So in the news, on actually, I think it broke today on Sunday, day of recording, the Manchester United winger, 
there's not even a way to kind of set it, set this up really uh just to say it straight up mason greenwood the young 20 year old winger uh allegedly it was reported by i believe his partner or a former partner now i'm assuming uh that she alleged that he not only beat her up she posted some uh, photos and a video showing her bloodied up um claiming that he did that and then i believe she also had some sort of footage or some audio of him trying to force himself on her sexually now obviously more details have to come out the only thing that i've seen that could be close to official is manchester united players unfollowing mason greenwood on social media we will stay tuned for more of that but if it is indeed true god damn that is bs of life mason greenwood you bum ass goof it's not even funny um it's um it's very nasty and you hate to see it so absolutely disgusting spence hit us with a text that mason greenwood might be in big trouble um first thing i did was you know did a quick google mason greenwood and they brought me to twitter where the pictures are just ugh. yeah that's not even like something you, you want to see not saying nah. anybody but you know it, it, it it's as bad as we're making it seem you know and obviously nobody wants to see that uh someone who's you know a, reportedly a loved one or felt like was a loved one you know getting uh, abused in that manner is absolutely un you know acceptable in any way shape or form hate to see it and hope that you know more news can come to light and justice can be served in in any which way but um nasty stuff obviously if it's true boom pow bs of the week bs that's a bs lifetime membership right there if it's indeed true so yeah man oh. you have a reserved parking spot next to the devil <laughs> in all seriousness yeah if it's true complete bullshit we, we don't stand for that shit no, we don't. But that being said, uh, that was my BS of the week. Like I said, uh, gonna darken things up a little bit, but only setting over oh, only setting you up, Ronnie, because I know you got some jokes. Not even to your Spurs, who lost out on like three players in one transfer window. Anyway, um, wait, what's lighthearted about that? I, I was at home crying. <laughs> you had Diaz in your grasp, and you let that man go. Yeah. You right. had um, Vlachovic in your hands at one point. You let him go. Yeah. Who was the other one? You know what? I'm just going to end the call. I'll see you later, man. Thank you. I, 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 <laughs> <laughs> Not who was the other one? Uh, it was Luis Diaz who was a reporter. And then the worst one, Adama Traore. Adama Traore. It's <laughs> <laughs> now being reported that Spurs were used as a uh pawn in order to get to barcelona am i a joke fam? <laughs> what the come on man he went back to barcelona oh man and he's going back to barcelona more bulked up take a pay cut <laughs> i think the sad thing about it all of this and i don't know how i got sucked into talking about this but um i think the sad thing about it is uh luis diaz that wasn't even a position that spurs needed badly like that wasn't a priority position for spurs obviously right. he, he's a prolific player we know that but it wasn't a position it wasn't a position that spurs were looking for and were trying to fix and so when that became the one that would look like the most legitimate i was like all right i guess i gotta put all my eggs in this basket and then liverpool said now nah, you good man <laughs> we'll take that <laughs> so you oh, know, but... <laughs> as, as spencer is throwing dirt on uh the 
you know, the uh, the guy who runs uh, Spurs, which I don't mind. Continue that hate. But anywho, that's neither here nor there. Ronnie, you but got they did end up taking two Juventini. Um, which they apparently was the on loan. And uh, they signed Rodrigo Bentancur. Which apparently was Spurs just taking the trash out for Juventus, which I guess I can say, you're welcome, Ronnie. I don't know. <laughs> I don't find them as trash, which is the crazy bit. Now, but, Kulis, um, I think is decent. But, I'm uh, very Kulis. fond of Bentancur. Um, just just treat him well is all I'm saying. Yeah, well, I mean, at this point, clearly I'm taking what I can get because if Spurs do business in public, somehow they get swooped. Uh, so just 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 take care of him. He looks good in black and white. Take off the black, leave him in white. I don't know how he will do there, but take care of him. I'll do my best. By the way, that wasn't my BS of the week. That was my assumption of LV's BS of the week. Um, yeah, see, I was going to do that, but I feel like I, I leave it spursy sometimes. I mean, that can maybe wait till next week. Anyway, um, sorry. BS of the week one. Um, admittedly, most of the Africa Cup of Nations I've been watching via the back streets. Because, while well, yes, I pay for cable, um, being sports, I usually watch in the living room while I, in my personal room, have a Roku. While, in retrospect, I'm thinking now, I have I have a, the Spectrum cable app. So I could have watched the AFCON on the cable app. But, for some reason, being sports aren't broadcasting the games on the weekends. They're giving it on being sports extra. Now, oh my goodness, criminals! Criminals! They, uh, if you don't have a Roku like I do, you'd probably have to sign up for that shit. And if you do try signing up for that shit, you got to give out your whole government. You got to give um your name, your address, your car detail, even though it's free. Where you live, who you bank with, what's your blood type? We don't need that information. But since I have a Roku, the Bean Sports Extra is right there. So I was watching an AFCON game. I don't remember which one. I believe it was Gambia Cameroon. The motherfucker takes a commercial during the game. The disrespect. They should be arrested. Honestly. Like, what is this shit? Even if it wasn't AFCON, if it was any tournament, if it was any game, why are you giving commercials during the game? Yeah, when have you ever seen commercials during live footy when it's not halftime? In the 90s and early 2000s, when it was still a niche sport, yes. <laughs> in this country. But now, I, putting commercials during the games is disrespectful. At least have like a, little, like a little box at the bottom of the screen. Like, this game was brought to you by Bud Light. But being, and it's not even that they take commercials. They just have a blank screen saying, oh, we'll be right back. ESPN Plus. I need you to swoop up AFCON rights for next year like you did for La Liga. You saved La Liga out of the bean sports misery. Do it again for AFCON. We have another one of those coming next summer. Get bean sports out the paint, please. Agreed 100%. I mean, free league on too. I mean, I don't even watch or keep up with it as much. <laughs> you know what? Just get it, out of, get it out of the hands of bean sports, those criminals. Done. I low-key don't even want the Turkish Super League in, on Bean Sports. Put that shit somewhere else. Yeah, you know what? We just put them out of business. <laughs> put them out of business. Well, we, we could broadcast the Turkish League on our Instagram Live. The IG Live Game of the Week. I'm saying give the license to the Footy Misfits. I think we do great color commentary, personally. I personally believe so. Like, yes, we'll talk about the game itself. 
Well, you know, we'll talk about Eden Hazard eating McDonald's every now and then. You never know. Even though it has nothing to do with Bashiktas. <laughs> I was going to make a Burger King joke, but I'll leave, I'll leave it there. Um, And then I have a late entry for BS of the Week. And it's going to Greg Berhalter. After their loss to Canada, Greg Berhalter said, the result hurts, the performance doesn't hurt. Regard in referencing the loss. Yeah, I... This game was shit on all fronts for the Team USA. And the performance doesn't hurt. This is a team that can't finish for shit. You're, you're relying on this Ricardo Pepe, who hasn't scored in months on either club or country the, the performance today sucked it should hurt greg berhalter with all the with all the cap canada smoking on the us mnt or as i call it the usment pack and um yeah greg berhalter's a fraud i wonder what berhalter's record against canada is in general because i know when he first became coach i think they lost to canada 2-0 this was yeah, Greg Berhalter has taken a couple of losses to Canada already. Yeah, so, I mean, he's Canada's sons. Um, Greg Berhalter started coaching the U.S. in 2018. They're 2-1-2. Two, two. So he's 500. Yes. He lost to Canada in the Nations League and today in the World Cup qualifiers. Beat Canada in the Nations League again and in the Gold Cup. And they drew Canada in September in this World Cup qualifying. So, I would still think he's Canada's son. Yeah, they look like they're writing up the adoption papers, and they're probably going to get them approved. And right now, they might win the CONCACAF qualifying. So, yeah, bow down to Canada. Again, the leaves are maple, y'all. And shouts to all the Canadian followers we have on the Footy Misfits. There's a lot of y'all, apparently. Yeah, shout out to Tim Hortons. I've never had that. (laughs) (laughs) They got good donuts. What's the name of that Canadian beer, Labatt? No idea. Never had that. Before we continue to name off Canadian things that neither of us have ever, ever had, you want to go ahead and sign the boys off, Ronnie? <laughs> um, don't cancel me, Canada, but Labatt looks disgusting. Um, <laughs> yeah, yo, sign us off before you get canceled. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't say anything about poutine. <laughs> I've never had it, so I can't say shit. But I will, I will, I will say this: Labatt looks better than Pabst Blue Ribbon. I can confirm, Pabst Blue Ribbon sucks. And so does Wisconsin. Pab- <laughs> Pabst Blue Ribbon looks like dirty urine. Anyway, thank you all for listening to episode seventy-nine of the Footy Misfits. Thank you guys for listening. Um, again. I love most things about Canada, just not Labatt. We will see you all on episode 80. That episode is right around the corner. There we go. For the good brother LV and Spencer, I go by the name of Ronnie. We'll see you then. Stay strong. Be brave. Adios, mi gente. Woo! Sorry, Canada. <laughs> Canada, go get y'all. Y'all keep playing with Canadians. I'm not trying to get shot by a Canadian. Hey, man, I love Canada. <laughs>